You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Kiss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, bunk? Wakey, wakey, campers. It's Groundhog's Day. Oh, wait, no. We passed that one already, didn't we, Richard? <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> no, actually, it is Valentine's Day. So, you know, that's we were just talking. It's like that's one of the few films we don't really talk about too much on our, our little podcast here. We don't talk about romance movies. I mean, we probably talk about romantic comedies a lot, but not not just straight up romance movies. That is very true. I uh, I don't think we have ever, ever talked about romantic films on a podcast before, ever. Well, I mean, maybe not in that um, context, but like we talked about The Shape of Water, and that's, I would definitely say that's a romance movie, but it's a sci-fi romance movie. Well, tr- yeah, I, we've talked about films that are romantic films, but I don't think we've ever had a podcast that was just specifically about them. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it just, you know, falling on the day of Valen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the, true. The day for St. Valentine. Uh, it's uh, it, it was appropriate to talk about romantic movies. What are some of the your favorite romantic movies from throughout time? Oh man, you know, it's really weird, but I I honestly don't like you asked me that and my first thought was like I can't even think of one right now, yet alone more than one, but uh oddly enough, I I I guess the the one that I kind of came to as like a, a front runner would be um a film that actually came out in 2004. So it's it's actually been out for quite a while. Wow. Uh but it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And, you know, that's that's interesting because, I mean, it's a romantic movie, but it's also kind of a anti-romantic movie. It is. It's kind of a, a, a double-sided uh, uh, romance movie, I guess, in a, in a lack of a better term here. Yeah, because, like, yeah, obviously Jim Carrey's character and Kate Winslet's character, they end up falling in love again, but you come to realize that the reason they wiped each other from their minds is because they had a very toxic relationship. They didn't have a good one. Oh yeah, no, definitely. So, it, it, uh, it's been a really long time since I've seen that movie, but I, I really don't remember them being good together per se. I think there was like moments, but like overall as a whole, I don't recall it being particularly like a good relationship for either one of them. Yeah. I see. It's probably been a while since I've watched it myself, but, uh, yeah, like I, I, come to remember like when they are remembering certain things about their relationship and they're like oh yeah this was this was a bad thing like or maybe when they're playing back memories like the 
uh, the the technicians when they're watching because that's like a whole another story too. Which Mark Ruffalo is one of the technicians, if I remember correctly. Uh, they're mm-hmm. like they're they're kind of that's a B side story to a movie that's just just out there kind of. Yeah, no, it is uh, it is definitely in a league of its own when it comes to uh, kookiness for so, sure. Who directed that movie? I know they also went on to do The Science of Sleep, right? Um Michael, I think his name was Michael Gondry. Michael Gondry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was him. Um was there anything like particular about that was it the storytelling or was it directing or is there anything particular that you particularly about the movie? Liked? Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I, it is that kookiness that I think really draws me into it, and uh, the way that it's filmed and the way that the story is told, I think, is very intriguing. And uh, you know, at the time, at least, and I, I mean, I think still, I think it still holds up this way. I feel like it's just a very unique film overall, and uh, I really loved the performances as well from Jim Carrey and uh, Kate Winslet as well. I, you know, and I just. Uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was a really like interesting, strange little movie. And, uh, you know, I think the other like message that's in there, too, is that like even if you could erase someone entirely from your memory, that, you know, there is a possibility that it's not all bad. And, you know, you really maybe should try to focus on the good things, because when you inadvertently shut out or try to shut out bad things you also shut good things out as well and so i think it's kind of an interesting you know take on that kind of moral or message if you will you know yeah yeah no he he, you can't have one without the other is is really is is true that is is a big thing so uh, also looking at the writer for that it's charlie kaufman so um i know that name in particular is 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 a big name in in in, uh screenplay writing you have adaptation which is kind of like a heightened version of himself um one of my favorite movies is confessions of dangerous mind about um oh man that game show host chuck barry chuck barry chuck barris chuck barris chuck barris yeah yeah and then i know i i don't i remember you talking about this movie but i don't know if you ever ended up getting to watch i'm sure you did but anomalisa Oh my gosh! You know what? I uh, I don't think I did actually get to watch this. Wow, really? You never got to watch that movie? I remember 2015, 2016. You talked about it a lot. Oh my god! I totally forgot about it until you said that right now. <laughs> I yeah, I did not get to watch that movie. Oh my god! I should really go back and I, or if I, or at least if I did, I don't really remember that. But I don't think that I did. Fair enough. It, you know, that's that's completely okay. Um, uh, so, but was there anything else about that movie that struck you that you would like to talk about? Which one, Anomalisa? No, no, no. Eternal oh, Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Oh no! I mean, I, I think that's I think that's kind of it. Like I, I would say, you know, it's it's obviously been out for over ten years at this point, and you know, if you haven't seen it, I would I would definitely give it a watch. I think it's I think it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and you know, that was kind of like, I mean, I don't want to I, I wouldn't want to put uh, uh, a label on anybody's career, but that's definitely I felt like I feel like that was kind of the peak of Jim Carrey's career. Like, you know, that was a time when he was doing more serious movies and 
uh, it wasn't just Ace Ventura, you know, talking out of your butt kind of movies. Mm-hmm. So, it, and then, I mean, not that it went down, not that his career went down, but he probably became a little bit more selective of what movies he did after that. So, hmm. it's definitely interesting. Interesting career. Yeah. Uh, um, path. Uh, so yeah, I came up with a few movies that I thought, like as soon as I thought romantic movies, obviously my, my brain went to romantic comedies first because that's, you know, probably movies that I would enjoy more or would go, would go to, but, um, all time favorite and just all time favorite movie in general would be the princess bride. Like I, I really love that movie and I would oh, definitely that is say a great movie. Yeah. I would say that's a romantic movie. It's a, you know, I'll talk about it all the time, but it's it's also the it's the fairy tale. It's the, it's the hero's journey kind of stuff, but it also has those turns that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it definitely has that. I think that's uh, I think it's also cool too because of the way that they tell that story too. It's it's uh, I always what, dig when movies do that. Like the, you mean like the wraparound with the the grandfather telling to the talking to the grandson? Yeah, kind of like how the never ending story is, where it's kind of like this kid reading a book, and then it's like implicating that that's what's actually happening. But then there's also like uh. you know it's him imagining it, but like you know I I don't know I just really dig that. Yeah, no, I yeah that I I dig that type of storytelling too as well um uh, and then you have you know great performances from everybody and uh really just i feel like it's a movie that's stuck in our cultural zeitgeist ether however you want to put it for a very long time I and mean, look look what they did with the deadpool 2 making it the pg-13 version with the once upon a deadpool you yeah he you know they go and film extra scenes with fred savage so that they can recreate the Peter Falk talking to or telling the story to young Fred Savage in in bed kind of thing. It's just it's just it's a it's a movie that's really stuck with me for a very long time. I know it's stuck with other people. Um, I assume it's stuck with you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rob Reiner is the director of that movie. For people who might not know, uh, made other movies like um, This Is Spinal Tap, uh, Bye Bye Love, I believe. Is Bye Bye Love? I know he's in it. Uh, Let me me find Uh, out. Let me let me look this up. So, um, Bye Bye Love was an interesting movie. That's also another. It's it's another ensemble cast. No, it doesn't look like he directed. He must have just been in it. Uh, He did direct When Harry Met Sally, uh, A Few Good Men, Misery. He's got a he's got an interesting career too. It's not it's not all just one type of movie. No, I was like, that's a pretty good shakeup, really. That's a like a good diverse area, you know what I mean? Yeah, Ghosts of Mississippi, the American President, North. I remember North. That was an interesting movie with uh, Elijah Wood as a as a little kid. I uh, I oddly don't remember you that. Don't remember? I don't know that I've ever seen that. <laughs> I I want to say that he it, Elijah Wood's character is named North, and I want to say that he's adopted it it's been a long time since i watched this it's sick of the neg- the neglect he receives from his mom and dad a young boy leaves home and travels the world in search of new parents oh so hmm. i think it's more like um do you remember that remake movie that brent stiller did a couple years back called the secret life of walter mitty uh yes i do remember that kind of like that but with a kid okay yeah that's that's a very interesting <laughs> approach to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, other movies. 
romantic movies I thought would uh, have always stuck with me. Love Actually, which is, uh, you know, right there on the teeter of uh, romantic movie and romantic comedy. I love the ensemble cast. I love story. I love movies where they do that, where it's a whole bunch of different characters, and then at certain points they intersect. Their their stories intersect. I mean, like Pulp Fiction or um, uh, wow. You would think I'd have more to this. Twenty bucks. <laughs> Twenty bucks is another one that I think is a good one. Bug. Bug is a great one. Um, yeah. Yeah. You've you know storylines where they where they do that. It doesn't it doesn't seem like everybody would be interconnected, but they end up being interconnected. I just I enjoy that a lot. Um, and love actually, you know, is is in the last ooh, couple years has been getting a flack saying you know it's not a romantic movie. It's not a, a good Christmas movie, and I don't know. I still enjoy it. It I see its flaws, but you know, you have to. I feel like you have to watch those things and kind of keep in mindset of where you were at that point in time, especially movie wise, and either accept it or move on. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of always like the really interesting thing just about like films and stuff, and even kind of like backtracking, I guess, a little bit uh, to kind of like even the Princess Bride and stuff is like, you know, if you watch those movies as, you know, a younger person and they end up developing like a large amount of nostalgia. You know, like you're of course gonna view them, I think, differently. Or, or even if, even if it's not nostalgia, but like if there's like a situation where, you know, maybe you're happen to be going through something in your life, and like that movie for whatever reason just resonates with you in that moment. Like I, you know, I think you're gonna kind of always be in a situation where you're willing to like make those kind of like. Um, I don't want to call it excuses, but you kind of forgive certain things about a movie in in certain situations because of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I think, especially if it's something that that really connects with you, you you definitely yeah you 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 let it swing by. I don't know. Okay, can we talk about a little bit of a uh, current events um, as a side oh, story sure. right now? Um, so, have you heard this this thing that happened with Liam Neeson as of recent? Um, I, I, no, I have not. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I know that, like, I don't know what happened. I know that, like, I guess he, I, I guess he made some, I, I don't know. I guess he made some comments or something. I, that's all I really know. I don't know what happened. So in doing press for his new movie, Cold Pursuit, which is out right now, uh, another um, Liam Neeson out for revenge story, um, He's doing press, and I guess someone asked him if he'd ever felt like he wanted, he personally wanted to go out for revenge. And thinking that it would be a good story to tell, he tells this story about 40 years ago how a good friend of his, uh, a female friend of his, was raped. And the only thing that she could tell him was that uh, the person who raped, it, or raped her was, uh, was black. Um, so in his young state, cause this is 40 years ago, being the angry person that he was, he went walking through, uh, downtown of whatever city it was, uh, with some type of metal like bar in his hand. Um, and he's <laughs> the dumb thing that he said. And the dumb thing that he did was that he said he was just looking for any black person to come out and just start a fight with him so that he could beat them to death. Jesus. Christ. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was terrible. And he says, since, you know, it, he, lucky for him that he didn't find anybody that night or no one pissed him off that night. Um, 
and he has come to his senses since then that you know that was terrible it's a terrible thing to do it's a terrible thing to think and um and i don't want to sit here and act like i'm i'm be apologizing for him it's just this is what he has said um mm-hmm. but i brought it up kind of because i guess there is an online petition which is not surprising there's an online petition for everything these days but there's online petition and fan outcry for him to be removed from the upcoming black uh, men in black Inter- international movie the one with chris hemsworth and tessa thompson yeah so how do you feel about that how do you feel about should he be removed Oh, man, I don't know. It's a slippery slope in today's society because, you know, that's a that's that. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say in general, like, right. But uh, I mean, but again, like I, I if that's exactly what he said, I mean, that's I don't know. It's really difficult, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm so angry. I'm just going to go like beat the crap out of somebody because of the of, of their skin color. That's 100% not okay. That's not good. Right. But at the same time, like, I don't know if it's like 40 years ago and it's in that context where it's like, I mean, what if it would have been anybody else? Like, what if he would have been like, hey, I was, you know, she told me the dude was white and I took a metal pipe and I was ready to go beat some white dude to death. Like, and it's 40 years later. Like, it, like if he did this last week and like, yeah, but it's like if it was 40 years ago and it's in that context where it's like somebody raped his friend and he just like went kind of off the rails and like insane. I mean, it's not good. It's not right. And, you know, maybe you shouldn't, I guess, I I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be sharing that stuff ever. Like you shouldn't be talking about that in the first place. Yes. That's Um, the definite one thing is he should not have shared that story in that context. Like if it had been like, who was it? Some, somebody and i don't remember who it is it's some comedian um said now if they had if he had if he was on oprah and oprah and and you know it was in that kind of setting it was that kind of um you know th- stage and he confessed to be like hey you know at the one time in my life i had this thought he didn't act on it he didn't he didn't go through with it he didn't hurt anybody you know this story would be a lot different now, this was like some, I think maybe Good Morning America or something like that, or I don't know what, what, what it was, but he, he totally should not have just gave up that story in that context oh yeah no i don't i don't think that's a story i like if that's something i experienced i don't think i would have ever shared that to be honest um and then i mean i think also if you are sharing it maybe like you you know especially in today's social climate like maybe leave out that detail that it was you know a, a person of color maybe just be like yeah you know, she told me this and I was ready to just go beat somebody to death because I was angry, you know, and it's 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 really bad because we know that like people when they get first off, I mean, you kind of I don't know from a, I don't know. It's so hard because you don't want to excuse his behaviors. Right. And you don't want to make excuses for him. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we are humans. We do make mistakes. And I mean, like if you're. I don't know if somebody came to you and told you that that happened to like your best friend, like you're probably not going to really be the like 
there cognitively like you know what i mean like we see people that get upset about their phone bills and they become like a completely different person than somebody who's thinking rationally or even themselves when they're thinking rationally or whatever you know what i mean uh, i really think it's stupid that he would have said any of that I, and i mean i i also think it's really stupid that he went out to do that but you know i also think that every person on the planet has done things that they're you know, not proud of or had moments where they've lost control of who they were. And that I, I don't I don't know, like it's difficult, like but in today's social climate and, and in today's, you know, thing, it's like, yeah, that's that's really bad. I mean, it's really bad then, too. Like you shouldn't be going out <laughs> trying to kill anybody, period. Like, right. No matter who they are, like it's still bad. But like just inadvertently offering that up during conversations like that's and not, not expecting a backlash is, is is really really bad but i also have to say is that it, it's it's such a fine line because yes he he did say he wanted to go out and beat somebody to death but he also just had that thought he didn't actually beat someone to death so are we condemning someone for a thought now is it now did he not do did he not beat someone to death because the opportunity never arose if he if the opportunity was there would he was he actually going to do it who knows you can't you can't predict that that's not what happened right he hasn't gone out and beat anybody to death since then so to our knowledge so we can't <laughs> I really like, oh, I hope not yeah right exactly I mean maybe that's not a, a one maybe that was the tamer story that's why he he offered that one up oh I hope not my yeah. gosh um but to have to to sit there and say that people can't change and can't evolve is also super dangerous. Oh, it, it it absolutely is, you know. And I mean, like honestly, that's kind of one of the biggest things that's always bothered me about um, the way that like we as a society treat uh, ex convicts. You know, um, it, it's really bad because it's like they've paid their debt to society, and a lot of times they come out and they can't get a normal job, they can't lead a normal life, and. You know, like, I guess it's fine if you want to look at a celebrity and be like, well, they have all the money in the world. Who cares? But like, at the end of the day, like we're all still people like we're all going to inadvertently say something incorrectly or inaccurately, especially as, you know, social climates change. You know, I mean, like there, there and we have this conversation all the time with films where it's like there are so many films that literally would just never get made today because of their content. And you know, uh, this is kind of one of the situations that really bothered me when, like, James Gunn got fired is everybody was up in arms about James Gunn, but I didn't hear one person, like, bringing out their digital torches and pitchforks to go after Robert Downey Jr., who at the exact same time 10 years ago that James Gunn was making horribly offensive tweets that he was doing blackface in a movie – and he's still in all the Marvel movies. Like, he didn't get fired. He didn't get, you know, this huge backlash of, of uh, hatred. And uh, again, I don't, I'm not saying what he did was right or what James Gunn what did was right either. But it's just particularly interesting, like, what the internet and what 
people in general, I guess, choose to get upset about. Because innately, there's going to be people that are now going to listen to us having this conversation that are going to be like, oh, well, they're, you know, racist probably. You know what I mean? Like, right. they're sticking up for Liam Neeson. And it's like, that's not at all what's happening. Like, I, I, but I agree with you. I think, you know, people should be allowed the opportunity to... Uh, change and to show that they've changed and you know i i don't know like wh like what does happen if we lose the entire ability to have empathy towards people that um maybe we're in a different situation a, a year ago two years ago 10 years ago however many years ago i mean i know that like i'm not the same person I was a few years ago and that I'm constantly evolving and changing. And I, I hope, and I try my best that that's for, for the betterment of myself. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I, it's just, I think that's really, uh, I don't know. It's a slippery slope and it's difficult for sure. Um, yeah, it, it really, I mean, to think about what in 40 years from now, when, you know, they're watching movies that we're making right now. And what if it's like, oh, man, those people were were keeping dogs as pets. How why, those people were monsters. Like, I, I don't I wouldn't know how to how I'm going to react in 40 years if, if that was a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you can keep me if I can be held responsible for the fact that I was I had a, a pet dog. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it really depends on on what we're talking about. I mean, yeah, of course, I'm like I'm that, being I'm being yeah, facetious but, and I'm I, I'm I'm oversimplifying the the whole thing. But it's sure. But but I mean, I think contextual wise, I think there is it. I think there is a certain like understandings of passage of time, you know. And I mean, obviously, if there was a big thing that came out tomorrow that, uh, um he had beaten to death like 15 people and hidden the bodies well then okay yeah clearly uh he hasn't changed at at all at right all, yeah. but you know you're right like he is kind of being thrown onto the coals over something that he said over something that he was obviously extremely emotional about and i mean i think realistically anybody in that situation i would have to imagine would also be extremely emotional and it's it, it is very difficult and i think that's another thing that we've talked about maybe briefly on the podcast before is that um you know is it possible to separate the artist from the art um and is that okay to do you know what i mean and i think that's kind of falling back into the same situation where it's like you know can you be upset at at him and still understand that he's gonna be in a movie and and that not be a big deal and again i think it's situational because i mean clearly if it if you know if he had actually murdered someone or you know committed some atrocious crime well then okay that's a totally different scenario but like you're literally going after him for something that impacted him 40 years ago and again it, it's not saying that he was right or that he should have even said it i mean odds are he very clearly shouldn't have said it but I, it is I, I don't know it's very difficult it's very very difficult 
Uh, okay, back to romance movies. Dad, we got into a weird conversation. I, I, you know, and I knew it was gonna go. It was gonna be a, quite the weird tangent. But I saw him. I saw his name on the list of cast members for Love Actually, and I was like, I need to talk about this. So, uh, and my last um, romantic movie is is a romantic comedy, and it's uh, she's out of my league. Jay Baruchel wasn't that long ago. Um, Jay Baruchel and Alice Eve. Oh, there's also a controversy uh, actor in that movie with um, uh, T.J. Miller, who oh okay all it all all purposes seems like he is quite the the douche at this moment or probably has always been just it's now in the light the public light for everybody else to know but anyways she's out of my league. Uh, it's one of the rare romantic comedies where I feel like you're following the the, the male. Uh, character as the mm-hmm. protagonist most of the time romantic comedies is following the female character and i don't know if that's a a, a sexist thing because they feel people uh, only women like romantic comedies and so you they need a f- the the female uh protagonist or whatnot but um most of the time it's the oh she's way too serious and she takes her job serious and you know she has to find uh, she ends up finding that one guy that shows shows her to slow down her life and and take in all the good stuff so then she falls in love with him this is about a dude and this is probably why i like it because he's a neurotic dude he's a neurotic nerd that ends up finding the (laughs) falling in love with the 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 hot chick that's obviously out of his league so to speak from the movie and uh she falls in love with him too but then you know, even though he's putting her up on a pedestal, you kind of figure out that she's also kind of using him because he's not the typical guy that she usually dates. So it's like it's easier for her. And then that doesn't make him feel feel good either. So I don't know. I, I, I remember seeing that movie in the theater and thought I thought it was a very creative storytelling uh, or, or a creative story for a, a movie that you, I wasn't expecting that from. Do you, did you watch like, this movie? We were just all over the place with uh, cr- <laughs> like crazy conversations today. But no, yeah, I uh, I, I do remember w- watching this, and uh, I, I remember enjoying it. I remember it being a, a, a fun uh, experience and a, and a funny little movie. Yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's just it was it was different. Like for the romantic comedies that I had been seeing at that time, and. Definitely was an introduction to Alice Eve for me, so I thought that was also really cool. <laughs> nice. Um, let's see. The director on that was Jim Field Smith, which I'm not too familiar with, so let's see what else that they've, he's done. Um, TV show Yeah, I Wrecked. don't recognize that name at all. Yeah, it looks like he didn't, he's done a lot of TV. He did a bunch of... He did nine episodes of Episodes, which was a TV show on Showtime with Matt LeBlanc. I believe, unless it was the British version. Weird. No, no, it's the Matt LeBlanc one. Um, yeah, it looks like something called Wrong Man's Stag Pearl Defending the Guilty Wrecked. Yeah, I, I don't know any of those things. So that's that is also kind of different. It's like you know, you, you think I, I would think that he would have got more stuff just from that movie alone, but he's got a lot of TV. Yeah. He's got a lot of TV on it. Writers were Sean Anders and John Morris. Sean Anders has also written Instant Family, which came out this past Christmas, which was actually pretty pretty good. Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home 2, Horrible Bosses 2, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, Mr. Popper's Penguins, We're the Millers, Dumb and Dumber 2, 
Wow. He's, he's definitely got a shtick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sex drive. And let's see, what has John Morris done? John Morris. So it's his part, writing partner. The, they two of them wrote, wrote, written the same oh, stuff. Oh, so they worked together on yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Exactly. Um, how about you? Any more romantic movies that you would like to throw out there before oh, we get man. into the, um, the AFI list? Uh, I don't know, man. I think that... Uh, what about... Okay, here we go. It's kind of a romantic movie. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Got That's, you. There we go. We'll throw that out. <laughs> Even got you a spinoff with uh, the Aldous Snow character in Get Him to the Greek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is so weird. Like, that's such a weird direction to have taken that. Being like, oh, well, we're just going to do a spinoff <laughs> movie about just this character. Oh, that's crazy. No, that is a really good movie, though. It's got uh, Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, Jason Segel, uh Oh man, uh, I can't think of what his name is, but he's the, the guy you were just talking about. Um, Richard Brand. Is that the guy who plays Russell him? Brand? Sorry, Russell Brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's got a pretty good cast. I think there's a. I think. Uh, oh man, what is his name? Uh, guy. Oh my gosh. Oh, Jonah Hill. Uh, Jonah Hill's got a, a, a little Wait, kind I, of cameo in there, so, I, I, sort of. It's like it's a little bit more than a cameo, but I, I believe you you said his name wrong. It's uh, Academy Award nominee Jonah. Oh, Hill. that's true. I did. Yeah, I did. I did butcher that. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> that's my bad. Um, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of the Judd Apatow usual suspects of actors because jason siegel so you had paul rudd in there also um mm -hmm. uh yeah and then then um uh god we just said his name and i, I jonah hill jonah um hill. it's it it's it's definitely and in written by jason siegel which more power to him that's pretty cool of him to to be able to do that yeah uh, yeah, it was a it was a really funny movie too, and uh, I mean, like the little Muppet musical thing that he's got in there is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty funny little movie, which definitely made made me believe that him writing that like Dracula Muppet uh, puppet show in that script for that for forgetting Sarah Marshall is what got him to be the the writer for the Muppet movie that he made that he was oh in. crazy it had to have been right. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so Nick Stoller was the director. Nicholas Stoller was the director of Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and I believe it was, it was his first thing directing, straight up. And huh. from there, he went to get him from the Greek or get him to the Greek. Uh, five year engagement, um, neighbors, neighbors two, uh, storks. Uh, he's currently directing a bunch of episodes because he's also the producer for Friends from College. Uh, Netflix TV show. Okay. Um, yeah, you know the interconnectedness of those of those of the Sarah Sarah Marshall movie and how you have essentially four storylines going between Jason Segel's character, Kristen Bell's character, Russell Brand's character, and Mila Kunis's character, but uh, they all eventually coalesce at this resort in Hawaii. It really does make it a I think quite a unique movie, even though it doesn't seem like one on the surface. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and then on top of it, too, I mean, there's just so many great, like, quotable moments. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it's also kind of a it's also, a, I guess, a little bit of a, of a different take, because usually in a lot of like rom-coms, you see that, like, you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy fights to get girl back or vice versa. Right. But then like in this one, it's like they break up and then it's like he's trying to get her back. But then it's like he kind of realizes, like, she's actually not really that great of a person and we're actually not very great together. So I, I shouldn't be doing this and kind of ends up going a little bit of a different way. So I think that's kind of a, you know, I think that's kind of an amazing uh, take on it as well. I think that's really funny. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just, you would, once again, it's, it's, it's the mixture. It's kind of like what you get with, with 40 year old version. You get, you get this typical, um, romantic comedy but then you have the I, I I can't think of a better word other than raunchiness of you know the Jason Siegel and Judd Apatow type uh, comedies so it's mm-hmm. it's this weird intersection where it if you have typical gender roles in a in a male female relationship where you have something for each person it, to go see this movie kind of thing right um okay so let's talk about this afi we're not gonna go through all 100 of them but we'll talk about some of the big ones uh number one or should we start at the bottom what do you think uh i mean if we're not gonna go through all of them maybe we should uh well how many do you want to go through maybe we should start like uh the top 20 or something work up to the or top 10 or whatever Okay, well, how about we start at we start at one hundred and we just go from every ten points, or if I see something that one of us could actually talk about, and then when sure. we get to number ten, we'll we'll do the top ten. Yeah, that works. Okay, so AFI is the American Film Institute, uh, for those who might not know. And then this this list of uh, one hundred years, one hundred passions, is a list that was made in June eleventh, two thousand two. So there's not going to be anything past the year. 2000 on this list so there are definitely i mean i think all the movies we talked about other than princess bride are movies that came out after the year 2000 so uh just keep that in mind number 100 is jerry Maguire. oh yeah 1996 if the if that strikes your fancy uh lady in the tramp is 19 is is number 95 dirty dancing is 93 um Let's see. The Goodbye Girls, 81. Oh, no, that's 1977. Not the, not the one that I was thinking of. That was thinking of The <laughs> Good Girl. Uh, American President, 1985, the, uh, number 75. That's the one with uh, Michael Douglas. All right. Um, did you ever see Manhattan? Have you watched a lot of uh, like uh, Woody Allen films? I, don't, I usually stay, stay I... away from Woody Allen films have not seen that's number 66 Uh, bonnie and clyde number 65 that's i would assume that's the one with warren Beatty. like i've never watched it but i kind of i know the story of bonnie and clyde and it seems it seems like a bad one to be one of the most romantic movies because it's once again it's like one of those it's like the to me it's like the joker in higher queens like it's not really a relationship you want to show be as a, a part of yeah it's not a relationship you want to be a part of but it's also not one you want to put up on a pedestal kind of thing yeah breakfast to tiffany's is 61 uh the english patient is 56 
The Graduate is 52. You know, I don't think I've... Oh my I've, gosh, really? Yeah, I've never actually watched The Graduate all the way through. And I know the, the final scene because it's been parodied so many times of, you know, uh, him breaking into the church and yelling out her name and, uh, you know, r- the two of them running away from the altar together. But the thing I always find interesting is that that, that part where they're on the on the bus as they're driving away and they're kind of both like, well, what do we do now kind of thing? Like what right. what just happened? Have you watched have you watched that movie, The Graduate? Oh yeah, it's been a it's been a, a, a while, but yeah, I've seen it. Do you have any insight on that? I think it's the same thing. I think at the very end, you know, they're they're caught up in like this immature, uh, live in the moment, like go with the float. Well, I don't want to call that necessarily mature, but like they're caught up in the the immature nature of not thinking things through and i think it does dawn on them like what in the world are we gonna do now like they it was almost like they were more in love with the idea of being in love with each other than actually in love with each other and then they get to that moment and like all of that adrenaline's drained out and everything's like cleared up and they're kind of both like oh maybe this wasn't the greatest idea you know right okay so yeah i just didn't know maybe if it was something that you would uh studied up on more a little bit and maybe what the the writer or the director was even thinking at that moment so yeah uh shakespeare in love is number 50 sleep is in seattle is 45 so the 1954 version of a star is born is number 43 Mm, i wonder if they did a today if where where that would the the remake would fall i don't know titanic is 37 beauty and the beast is 34 Dang, what? In 1956, The King and I is 31. Officer and Gentleman is 29. Wow, King Kong from 1933 is 24. What? Yeah. Well, okay, I guess. (laughs) Is is the romance between the girl and the the gorilla in King Kong? I guess. I don't don't know. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to take a guess at what number 19 is from 1990? Ooh, uh, ten things I hate about no, you. No, that that's no, that, that's a little bit later than nineteen ninety. So is it's, that the two thousands? No, I don't think it's two thousands. I think it's like nineteen ninety eight or ninety nine or something like that. Oh, okay. uh, actually, it's Ghost. Oh, right on. Okay, I, I guess I could kind of see that. Uh, Moonstruck is number I mean, seventeen. Ghost is a romantic movie, that's for sure. It's definitely a romantic movie. Um. Uh, My Fair Lady, uh, number 12, Annie Hall, number 11, and once again, another Woody Allen movie, which another movie I haven't seen. So getting into the last, the top 10, City Lights. Now that's the Charlie Chaplin movie, right? Or is that the Marx Brothers movie? Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, 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 Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Is that one that you've seen? I mean, I think we're going to get into a lot of movies that I haven't seen, so... I, I'm, uh, I'm don't, be... I don't think I've seen City Lights, no. no. I, that, I don't think I watched that one. So I've seen uh, some of his other films, but uh, I, I don't recall that one off the top of my head anyway. Let's see if it has a synopsis anywhere. I have no idea what it would be about. No, they don't really... Let's Oh, details, synopsis. An outdoor dedication ceremony. A tramp is discovered sleeping in the arms of a statue as it is unveiled before a crowd. He is closed, chased into the city where he meets a beautiful blind flower girl and buys a flower with his last coin. That night, he stops a drunk, drunken man from drowning himself. Gratefully, the man invites him to his mansion, which is 
preceded over by a snobby butler named James, and they begin to drink. The millionaire and the tramp continue their revels at a nightclub early the next morning. I mean, that's that's like you're that's not a synopsis. That's you're kind of telling me the whole movie. <laughs> so it sounds like maybe he's gonna end up getting this dude's money, or at least living the high life because he saved his life, kind of thing. I don't. Yeah, it does. I, sound like that I, yeah i really don't think i've seen that one that does that is not ringing any bells so he does he falls in love with the blind girl do you think that's where the love story comes in that's that's probably a good guess i would speculate yeah number nine is 1970s uh love story which uh stars good question starring ryan o'neill and ellen mcgraw i thought it was the ryan o'neill one just needed to make sure uh Harvard University student and hockey player Oliver Barrel visits the Radcliffe College Library and meets music major Jenny Cavallari, who works there to help pay tuition. If I believe I remember something, I I think I think she ends up like getting sick and dying. Yeah, Oliver is called into the office of Jenny's doctor, uh, who tells him that Jenny is dying. So. I would assume this. I would assume this is the first one because we've seen a lot of movies where where that happens eventually. You know, the it's the last couple months of one of the characters in the movie, and the other one is having to show them how you know life, how great life could be, so they can go off to death with the with those right. memories. <laughs> um, yeah, Sweet November. Uh, what's that other one? I don't know, but. Same. That's the kind of thing that's happening there, right? I I think so. Number eight is "It's a Wonderful Life." Now, obviously, this is a movie that plays every Christmas now. Uh, you can see it on a, any Universal channel, I believe, NBC Universal. "It's a Wonderful Life" is is it? The, I, I I think I I prefaced all that because I don't think I've ever actually watched it all the all the way through. Not. I just never paid attention to it. Uh, I would assume that when the angel is taking him back to saying, hey, look, if you weren't around, this is how life would be worse for everybody. It, it's because it's also showing him that he would not have the love of his life. And that's why it's kind of uh, it's, a, it's a romantic movie. I again, I I guess I don't know, man. Like I I, have, I don't even recall. I don't even know that I've seen that movie in its entirety either. To be honest <laughs> with you, apparently I don't watch Christmas movies or romantic comedies, and I especially apparently don't watch them if they're together. That's so weird. Doctor Shivago, I have absolutely no clue about. It's a name that I've heard a lot. Oh, Dr. Shivago is like the, uh, this is probably a bad analogy, but it's kind of like the Russian Gone with the Wind. Uh, they came out, I think, relatively close to the same time. Um, but I, I weirdly remember Dr. Shivago being way more uh, known for its like cinematography. Like it, it has some pretty breathtaking cinematography, but it, it, it's a very, uh, I think it's like three or four hours long. Like it's it's definitely an older film, like Gone with the Wind. And I think I think it's I, from what I recall of it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it it is a it is a love movie. Okay, a romance movie. So that's interesting. That's yeah. That's uh, once again a movie I hadn't seen from 1965. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's gosh, is that around the same time? I feel like that is around the same time as Gone with the Wind. I, I think Gone with the Wind might have come out first. I want to say I feel like Gone with the Wind is an older is older than that, but I'm I probably wouldn't. Oh wait, Gone with the Wind, nineteen thirty nine. Yeah, that's much older. Never mind, I was way off. <laughs> but um, I do remember it being like I don't know why, but I remember it being compared to Gone with the Wind. I, I mean. Just it could still be compared, even though they didn't come out at the same time. Because it's like, um, oh man, it's been a really long time since I've seen this. But it's kind of like about this. This uh, he's he's a doctor, obviously, but he's he's like kind of young, and uh, he ends up getting raised, I think, by his aunt or something like that, because his father, I think, his father committed suicide, and um, he does end up kind of falling in love with this this girl within the the movie, but. Uh, and then I don't know. Weirdly, I think he ends up like falling in love with her, but I think he has an affair with her mother or something. Like I, I don't remember it exactly. It's been a really long time since I I watched that, but that's for some reason that's like what I recall of the movie. But I, I could be spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it and it's been out since the '60s. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I kind of vaguely that's I don't know. That's vaguely what I remember of it. But I do I do distinctly recall that it was like a very like strong like visual cinematic uh film in terms of the cinematography i don't know maybe i feel like maybe i should go back and watch it again maybe you should you report back yeah <laughs> um number oh, what number are we on number six is the way we were um barbara streisand robert redford movie directed by sydney sydney pollock cinematographer harry stradling jr is the name you're familiar with uh i might know some of their work but that that name is not ringing a bell unfortunately so once again another world war ii movie (laughs) one night during world war ii jewish radio uh, show director katie morosky recognizes the handsome naval officer asleep at a manhattan bar as hubble gardner and with whom she attended college in the mid-30s Touching his face, Katie remembers their first attraction. So, uh, I'm guessing Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand have a relationship in that movie. Hmm. Uh, number five, an affair to remember. Uh, Cary Grant. So this is a 1957 movie. Cary Grant, Deborah Kerr, Richard Denning, directed by Leo McCary. Uh, synopsis notorious playboy Nicky Ferranti makes worldwide headlines when he becomes engaged to Lois Clark oh that was that's kind of a weird name <laughs> Lois Clark is a weird name. one of the richest heiress in America while sailing from France to New York to meet his intended Nicky is intrigued when he sees fellow passenger Terry McKay carrying his misplaced cigarette case so yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about an affair to remember. I yep, I don't either. We are great at this whole one. movie thing, you know. <laughs> well, I just feel like this isn't particularly a genre that we're well versed in, and, and unfortunately, that's true. No, you're absolutely right. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not upset the, by the fact that we aren't good at these. I'm just saying. We just aren't good at these things. <laughs> As I say, it is kind of humorous, like watching us just fumble through this and then, uh, you know, end up in like a whole other geopolitical. Well, I guess it's not really geopolitical, but like a social it's, debate it, about it's things. Geopolitical. It's it's a uh, it's a it's a political um, 
issue all around the world. <laughs> okay, well, they, okay, there you go. That's that's true. Uh, number four, did I say? Yeah, number four is a Roman holiday, which I've heard about this movie a lot. Never actually watched it. Stars Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn, directed by William Wyler. Uh, cinematographer is Frank F. Planer and Henri Alekin. Hmm. Synopsis. While in Rome during a multi-city goodwill tour, Princess Anne, the youthful heir to a European crown, impresses the guests of an embassy ball with her charm and poise. Later, as she is preparing for bed, Anne, feeling overwhelmed by the tedious, endless schedule, starts to scream uncontrollably at her efficiency efficient secretary uh i'm guessing this is the the original her life is way too (laughs) organized and she needs the guy to come in and be like hey you need to just live your life story (laughs) yeah so we got we got gregory peck and audrey hepburn to thank for another 60 years worth of that movie (laughs) oh my gosh because that was from 1953 uh, all right, number three, a movie that I actually have seen. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, Woo-hoo. but 1961's West Side Story. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, you got uh, Natalie Wood and Richard Brennan, Bren, Br- Bimer, sorry, uh, directed by Robert Weiss and Jerome Robbins, Robbins uh, cinematographer Daniel L. Fapp. Now, we kind of know that this is at the time a modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet two uh, two lovers from different families that usually war against each other coming together uh, I honestly though I don't remember what happens at the end do do they both die do you know oh my gosh uh, I don't oh man I've seen the play a bunch of times too but I don't remember if they do or I, not I want to say that Tony does die, but I don't remember if Maria does. Hmm. That's a very good question. But we do it have... a very good question. Oh, here we go. Last Members of the two gangs united at least for a while helped to carry Tony's dead body away. So, I'm, yeah, Maria kisses Tony and after she says, Te adoro, Anton. So, I'm guessing my love, hmm. my heart, Anthony kind of thing. Um... Yeah, we have, I believe, Spielberg making a, a doing a readaptation of this movie coming up soon of this play. I yeah, I have I've heard that he is in the works to uh, to kind of redo it, and that's uh, pretty intriguing, actually. I mean, what do you think that he could bring to it that would be different? I mean, the, the so the thing is, like, he's a phenomenal storyteller and an amazing director. So, I mean, he can certainly bring out some incredible performances. But, I, you know, I oddly, I do have to say it does feel like, I don't think this is what's going to happen, but it does feel like it's one of those weird situations where all of a sudden we're going to get, like, West Side Story at, like, 20, you know, 2539 or something. And it's going to be told through, like, artificial intelligent robots or something. Um <laughs> But I mean, he does, you know, to be fair, though, he has done like period pieces and stuff as well. Um, you know, Bridge of Spies and, um, oh gosh. Uh, oh man, he did like that World War, not the World War II movie, but he did one, but, but like Schindler's List. Um, 
you know, Saving Private Ryan, of course, as well. Like, so I mean, he has done some period pieces. Oh yeah, as well definitely stuff. period and, pieces. You know, he is always very involved in those. So. Uh, I, you know, personally, I think the biggest thing that he's going to bring to the table with it is the performances and, you know, potentially some unique camera work and stuff. But the performances are the big thing, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, making things like uh, Jaws, E.T., recently Ready Player One, Mm -hmm. do... Are we gonna get any kind of special effects in a West Side Story remake, readaptation? I mean, it's possible. <laughs> uh, it's definitely possible. You know, uh, I I really don't know. I really, honestly, I don't know what to expect from this really at all. Like, I think it feels like a very strange movie on one hand, uh, but you know, then on the other hand, when you look at some of the stuff he's done, you're like, well, you know. He has done some some like period pieces and yeah. stuff, so maybe it's just going to be a, a normal, straightforward type of movie, you know? Okay. Number two, Gone with the Wind, which you mentioned earlier, 19, 1939. I've never actually seen Gone with the Wind. Oh, really? Yeah, never seen it. That's crazy. That's um, what's the what's the name of the actor? Uh, let's see, what's it says? Humphrey Bogart says nope. No, that's uh, that's Casablanca. So, Gone of the Wind cast: Thomas Mitchell, Barbara O'Neill, Vivian Lee. Uh, yeah, that's looks like those are the people that are in it. That that's <laughs> those are people. Yeah, those are definitely names. Those George, are definitely names. Yeah. George Reeves. Hey, he played Superman. He was also in it. Hmm. What do you know? It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. I was gonna say, what do you? Clark Gable. I was gonna say, shouldn't I be waiting for a name like oh, Clark Gable? That's that's who I was. Why is thinking it? Of. Why isn't that the first credit on here? I, that's a good question. Yeah, no, that's who I was getting confused. I was trying to remember who that leading man was. Yeah, that's that's weird. Making me look like a fool. <laughs> How dare you? Have you? Well, have you so have you ever funny. seen it? I've seen it yeah I've I've seen Gone with the Wind but it has been a uh, unbelievably long time I mean Uh, it's 220 minutes that's almost oh yeah that's 20 minutes less than four hours it's got an intermission and everything in it like for sure see now I I, (laughs) they're talking about how (laughs) Avengers Endgame is going to be three hours long and I'm in and for that I'm I'm completely in I'll I'll sit there I'll sit there for a four-hour movie of Avengers Endgame I don't know if I could sit through 20 220 minutes of uh Gone of the Wind well I mean it's kind of the the same problem that people had with uh Blade Runner 2049 you know there's a lot of people that were like oh it's too long and like it was around three hours you know and it's like that's not that's really not that bad depending upon how the movie is is paced out you know right that's like like that's what I was talking about with um oh what's that what was that last movie that Tarantino did uh oh his last one was uh oh my god not not Hateful Eight. Eight. That's right. Yeah, that one is is super long, and and the pacing in the beginning of that movie is 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 really slow. So it felt really long, or at least to me. 
Yeah, no, that that is a very like slow burning film for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. But you know, sometimes that's not bad, right? Like sometimes no. you're in the mood for that, but there's a lot of times where, especially in in today's film consumption, uh you know, you're not really used to to that, I guess, as much as you were once before. You know, no, a- absolutely. I think that's that's completely true. Um, all right, number one. You want to take a guess on what number one is? The number one romance movie of all times, according to AFI. Oh God! Uh, Nineteen forty-two. Already mentioned oh, it once. Forty-two. We mentioned it once. Yeah. 42 did you just mention it I did just mention it yep is it Casablanca it's Casablanca oh there we go (laughs) so once again surprise surprise another movie I've never seen but have seen all the clips and parodies and you know rehashes of it throughout rest of movie history so there's the play it again Sam there's the this looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship you you need to get on that plane because you may not regret it now, but you'll regret it tomorrow or next week or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's exactly what Bogart says, right? Some shit like that. Oh, <laughs> spot on! Nailed it! Nailed it! <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll take my Academy Award now. Um, okay, so what do you know about Casablanca? Humphrey uh, Bogart again. It, it, it is Bergman. a movie that. Huh? I said Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid, yeah, Ingrid Bergman. Um, yeah, it, I've seen this as well. Uh, it's it's been a very long time. I mean, the "Here's looking at you, kid" is probably one of the most uh, notorious lines from it as well. Uh, it's, I, dude, it's been so long <laughs> since I've seen this. About the last thing I, or the, about the only thing I really remember is like the part where they're kind of like on the the uh, the thing waiting for her to leave. Um, but that's about it, man. Like it has been a ridiculously long time since I've seen this. Well, then I guess I've sufficiently put you on the spot enough for tonight. Then last thing I want, I need to tell you is that, you know, 10 days from now is going to be the, the Oscars. Have you watched the movies that you're supposed to be watching? Oh man, I, no, I haven't seen anything, dude. It's so bad. You have ten days to watch oh. the the at least the movies that are nominated for uh, best picture. Yeah, see, I got. I, okay, that's not true. I haven't seen. I, okay, so this is what happened. I did. I did. I maybe sound a little bit different. I still have a little bit of congestion. I did get sick. I canceled my stream on Wednesday and I, I laid in bed and slept and watched movies all day. Unfortunately, I didn't have access to any of the uh, best picture nominations, but I did watch was uh, uh, I watched Overlord. Oh, did you? Um, I did. I watched that. I watched Mother. Oh, and, no. Um, Why would you do that? You know, so it's an interesting movie and and. I do like some of Darren Aronofsky's films, so I was curious to check it out. And I'd, I've heard very mixed things back and forth, so I kind of wanted to give it a go. And, you know, like, it's it's absolutely not going to be for everyone, which, granted, no movie is, but this one especially so. Like, it's just really heavy-handed in, like, allegory and metaphor and... Ooh. 
so um, heavy-handed. <laughs> yeah, it is, but you know, I, I don't know. And and the interesting thing too, I guess, is like, so it's it's very heavy-handed in like biblical references and stuff like that too. But like, and I guess I you know I know that uh, I think Darren Aronofsky came out and kind of said that like kind of what his interpretation of it was. But like for me, I don't know. It really feels like it's this movie about the overlying god or uh, the underlying god complex of all creatives and the you know nature of that in and of itself and then the nature of how we consume creations by uh, you know creatives um but i don't know i actually kind of like if you watch it with that in mind i you might enjoy it more but yeah it's a very bizarre movie um 100 for sure very strange film and at times like it's a little repetitive as well. Like I literally feel like Jennifer Lawrence just spends like 90% of the movie going, why are you in my house? Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I felt, you know, like obviously that gets a like repetitive, but, but overall, like it's, it's an interesting watch. I, you know, I probably won't really go out of my way to watch it again. Uh, but it was, I, it was definitely, and I mean, you know, it was definitely worth watching once you know uh well, you know i'm gonna take your word for it because everything i'd i'd already like heard a lot about it and just like it was not for me so uh yeah i i could i could say pretty certain that uh it, you wouldn't like it yeah <laughs> i feel like that's a safe bet that i would make so yeah i mean i think you still need to get on that the, the 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 on 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 your task of watching the movies for the Oscars because I know every year you say I wish I would have watched them before the the Oscars came around, so I'm just you know, giving you I, your ten I day do, warning. But I feel like I feel like this is the one year where that's like not the case. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like I'm seriously looking at what got nominated this year, and I'm like, Ugh. I I do I do want to watch Roma. I, I and that's on Netflix, so I don't have I absolutely don't have any excuse for Roma. But None there's whatsoever. a lot of them that I just don't I just don't have access to. Fair enough. I, I, you know what? There might. You live in a big city. I'm sure there's some house, some theater house in the city that's going to be showing these movies at least once somewhere. Yeah, but then I gotta, I gotta have time. I gotta, you know, I gotta go spend money. You also have access to the <laughs> internet. <laughs> well, I'm not I mean, saying yeah, anything. Do anything illegal. I'm just saying yeah. there oh, might no, be an opportunity. You know. Yeah, I'm sure there. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there's definitely still some place showing it. So maybe I should just break down and and try to go watch it. But you are a busy man, like you were saying. What is your uh, your stream site looking at looking like this week? Oh, so uh, obviously Thursday. this. Well, by the time this comes out, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not going to be streaming this weekend for very obvious reasons. Um, but no, yeah, so like it was pretty cool. Uh, 
Sunday, which uh, for those of you listening uh, later, it would it it this is gonna make any sense, but it was we're recording this on Monday. So yesterday, uh, we ch- checked out this new game called uh, Marbles on Stream, and essentially it's like a super interactive little game that chat gets involved in, and uh, you you basically use the chat to enter, and uh, when you enter it, it puts a marble in the game that has your name on it, and then once everybody's in, it drops all these marbles into these huge crazy uh race tracks and uh the marbles race and randomly you win or lose and uh it's a fun little community game well that sounds great yeah so i you know we're gonna probably do some more of that at some point some more red dead things like that we're still red dead's a huge game so gonna probably be playing that till the end of time at this rate all right so in the 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 name of your channel as always oh it's uh you just go to twitch.tv slash rycohen and the number one so r-i-c-o-w-n and the uh number one now if you want to get a hold of me and talk to me about some of these movies that we talked about today you can find me on twitter i'm at mitchipedia g-e-m g-e-m stands for geek elite media if you want to find richard on twitter he is also at rycohen r-i-c-o-w-n the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network at our website, geekleetmedia.com. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. And have a happy Valentine's Day. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.